Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. We have an interesting passage to consider in this episode. In fact, some might say it's a controversial one. Let's see if it turns out to be the case as we read from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Tyre and Sidon are localities north of Galilee in a state known to the Romans at the time as Phoenicia. Today, this is Lebanese territory. Tyre is in fact one of the oldest continually inhabited cities in the world. It appears Jesus has left the Galilean region for a short time of respite after the last round of opposition. But now he finds himself in a unique situation. A woman is introduced to the story, and it is very clear that she's in great need. She has a daughter who is going crazy at home. This is not a case of a teenager in a personality clash with a parent. It's a far greater problem here, which is being attributed to being spiritually taken over. When this woman tells Jesus that her daughter is demon-possessed, she means every word. It's likely she's incredibly overwhelmed, utterly exhausted, and she's probably in deep fear for her safety too. And there's a very good chance she's feeling a little guilty too. You see, Matthew is quick to point out that she was a Canaanite woman. This detail is for a reason. You see, in Mark's gospel account, we're told she was born in the Roman province of Phoenicia. And this is for the sake of his likely Roman audience. But Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and the Canaanite term highlights her pagan background. The Jews knew the Canaanites as the people groups who previously occupied the land that Israel was to take over back in 1500 BC. The takeover was ordained by God because the practices of these people groups were really, really messed up. If you do a quick internet search on ancient Canaanite religion, you will find a long list of the deities that were worshipped in that small patch of land. If you wanted to go to war, you had a war god for that. If you wanted a child, there was a fertility god for that. If you wanted a decent crop, there was an agricultural god to seek. If you wanted the sea to stay calm while you were out fishing, there was a god for that too. There was a god for every need. And to gain favor from them, you would seek to appease or impress them with sacrifices, with offerings and incredibly dark conduct. The worship practices of these Canaanites often included self-harm, sexual debauchery, and even the sacrificing of children. It was a wicked, wicked people and practice. 
And we see in the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua that the job description of Israel's leadership was to drive out those people, to destroy their evil practices, and set up operations under their one true God instead. We also know that this task was never completed. This people group still had a strong presence 1,500 years later in Jesus' time, even occupying land that should have been in Israel's hands had they not forfeited their inheritance through idolatry of their own. Being a Canaanite meant continuing to worship that long list of Canaanite gods and observing pagan Canaanite worship practices. It was highly immoral and a massive offense before God. It was also a possible reason this woman's daughter had gotten into the state she was in, hence the probable guilt of the mother. If your worship is demonically inspired, you can expect demonically inspired trouble. But without warning, the God of Israel in the flesh has come to Phoenicia. And despite the many religious options at her disposal, she goes and seeks out Israel's God. And we get this conversation as a result. But this conversation was not going quite the way she planned it to be. To her credit, she opens in a strong way, addressing Jesus as the son of David. In other words, she was recognizing the role of Jesus as a messianic king. This was a carefully selected title to point to one who had been promised to David and Solomon generations before. This woman was up to date on Hebrew history and religious thought. Perhaps in the back of her mind, she was thinking something like, surely that would impress Jesus enough to meet her need. Bear in mind, impressing silent deities was sadly what she was used to doing all this time. But in this moment, Jesus is equally silent. And it appears the silence is so awkward that even his disciples are trying to nudge Jesus into doing or saying something. Then, when Jesus finally breaks his silence, things don't seem to be moving in the direction anyone expected. When he speaks of being focused on the lost sheep of Israel, he was essentially saying this, I came with a task, and that task is centered in the nation of Israel. Right now, woman, you don't fit into that task. There is a path of salvation being paved right now, but you are not on that path just yet. On face value, this is a difficult response for us to grapple with, isn't it? Isn't Jesus supposed to be for everyone? Isn't the whole world to be saved by Jesus? The answer to that, of course, is a resounding yes. But there was a process in place that Jesus was required to stick to. Believe it or not, Jesus' response here was actually God keeping to his word. God is always faithful to his promises, even if they don't always suit our immediate circumstances or our personal plans. 2,000 years prior, God made a promise to Israel's patriarch Abraham, which we can read about in Genesis chapter 12. That promise goes like this. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The whole earth would be saved. They would be the recipients of God's promises and blessings. But the conduit of that blessing and promise was always going to be the nation of Israel. God came in human form and took the form of a Jewish man who would complete every requirement of the Hebrew law in order for the whole world to be saved and sit under the blessing of God. 
the lost sheep of Israel had to be the focus of Jesus' earthly ministry for that very reason. The remaining Canaanites would indeed be included in that opportunity for salvation. But that time had not yet come because the cross had not yet happened. Until the cross and until Jesus said the words, It is finished. The focus had to remain on that which was promised to Abraham. And those words would be uttered less than a year from the timing of this passage. But our Canaanite woman is still pressing the issue here and isn't taking no for an answer. And it's at this point that Jesus makes a statement that has made preachers and commentators wince ever since. He has made it clear that she is not his immediate focus, but her day was coming soon. He was there for a break, not deliberate ministry. But she is pushing him. You're here now, and I am here now. You're the miracle worker, and my daughter needs one right now. And at this request, Jesus says it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did Jesus just say that? Did he just call a woman a dog here? Well, yes, he did. Is there an explanation or a good reason to do so? Well, yes, I believe there is. The Jews regarded all those outside their own little realm as dogs. Through ceremony and careful religious observance, they considered themselves as clean individuals, while those outside their religious system were deemed unclean, just like dogs. Jesus knew what his culture stood for and how they regarded themselves. He was well aware of what his own countrymen called outsiders. But over a number of recent episodes, we have also seen quite clearly the degree of disdain Jesus held for that culture as well. It's worth noting something significant here. The New Testament word for dog in every case except for two was the Greek word kuon. The two exceptions are Matthew's and Mark's telling of this story. Here, the Greek word used is a longer variant that refers to a little dog or a puppy. The statements of Jesus to this woman are an interesting mix. They seem to be a little bit derogatory, but also affectionate at the same time. This sort of combination causes many scholars to consider the tone of this conversation as something more like banter and musing rather than gruff dismissal. Some point to this being Jesus in his humanity speaking half to himself as much as to the woman as he ponders the action he is to take here. Yes, the big picture was fulfilling the Old Testament promises and ensuring that salvation came for and from Israel. But there was a real need in front of him coming from an outsider of that plan, who in reality was actually making a stronger acknowledgement of him than the Jews were right now. We've seen this twice now, the Roman centurion and now the Canaanite woman, both being rather bold in their convictions regarding who Jesus was. But there was still one missing ingredient, something that still didn't tip the scales in her favor. Could Jesus coax this out of her with a bit of very gentle testing? Remember, as a Canaanite, she was accustomed to impressing and appeasing silent statues. Pressing the issue with her deities meant doing something that would be potentially harmful to herself or others. Jesus doesn't want her to go that route with him. He wants to demonstrate love instead of anger. And he is looking for faith, not appeasement. So endearingly, he speaks. I've got children to feed. The puppies have to wait. 
Israel gets first dibs on this kingdom of God stuff. But soon after, the Gentiles, the ones the Jews regard as dogs, are going to have their part in it too. A few things have to happen first, and the puppies need to wait just a little longer. At this point, the woman catches the banter and tips the scales her way. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She was essentially saying this, Yes, I'm a dog. I know how the Jews regard me. I know the God of Israel is over there, and all my gods and statues are over here. I am an outsider in this whole God thing. I think I have a very good handle on the theory of God. I'm savvy enough to acknowledge you correctly, son of David, Jewish Messiah. But in reality, I am nowhere near God. I am not an insider to the promises which are reserved for the people of God. I realize right now that I don't actually have the right or the relationship with you to ask what I have. But I am not put off by that. I come as a puppy right now. Knowing that a meal is on the way, my full salvation is still to come. But for now, can I stick around and grab the crumbs? Can I receive the smallest part of you now in anticipation of what I'll get in full later? That was the answer and heart attitude that Jesus was probing for. It's at this very point that Jesus declares her faith as great. In the Greek, this word is megas. It's a word often used to describe people in high places of authority. It was as high of a description as the language allowed. When she realized her place, in other words, when she became humble, when she took her understanding of Jesus from a great theory to personal ownership and application, and when she completely submitted herself to Jesus for the small things she would see now, knowing that even greater things would be experienced later, she was in precisely the right place for Jesus to do an amazing work in her life. So let's reflect on that now. The place where this woman got to before Jesus is exactly the place we need to be as well. And sometimes it actually takes a bit of silence and even God-ordained testing to get there. The big idea of this passage is the way an outsider to the things of God relates to Jesus for the first time. It shows the depth of faith it takes to be where Jesus wants us to be in our dealings with him. It also shows us clearly both the standard of God and the affection of God as well. This woman called on Jesus in a regal way, thinking that mere acknowledgement would give her access to the kingdom of God. Jesus instead took her on a journey from theoretical acknowledgement to genuine faith and then opened the kingdom to her. There are people all around who claim to know about God but complain about the silence they receive back. The reason is simple. Salvation is a matter of the heart and faith, not a matter of education and theory. We can profess to know all about God but not actually know him. And this woman was at this point at the start of her conversation with Jesus. She claimed to know him because she recognized his title and role, but she had nothing more to hang her hat on than that. Her life was a mess, her religious choices were not good, and she was reaping the sad rewards of that life as evidenced by the deep torment of her child. She entered this interaction with Jesus claiming relationship and familiarity that really was not there at all. And Jesus tenderly and affectionately makes that clear. Yes, he toned down the word dog. But when it came to her relationship to God, she certainly was unclean. 
And Jesus still used a canine reference to describe her no matter how gently delivered it was. God's two major characteristics are love and holiness. He is certainly loving and there is affection in this passage. There's clearly a holy standard in place too. Saving faith understands both those things. This woman recognized that and was rewarded. She recognized her canineness. She didn't shy away from the fact that up until now, she was an outsider to God. But the love of Jesus drew her into a place where she wanted even more to be an insider to him and his kingdom. A loving but tough examination from Jesus drew her in. It didn't repel like one would think it would. I believe reflection now involves asking ourselves some important questions, such as, do I see the Canaanite woman in me? Am I on the outside looking in? Am I experiencing silence when I somehow expected more? Am I living under an education of Jesus or an experience of him? Am I trying to win over Jesus on my own merits? Or am I coming in humility and calling for mercy? How deep is my faith and my knowledge of Jesus, really? If you're struggling to find an answer to those questions that you're happy with, why not get in contact with somebody who is able to help you with that? You could start with the radio station that is broadcasting this message. You could knock on the door of any church in your neighborhood. Or you can contact me directly on my Facebook page to learn more. If you are in need, if you're feeling like an outsider, if you're feeling like you don't know Jesus like you should, if you're even feeling a bit like an unclean animal, reach out to any one of those outlets. We are all here to help you see that knowing Jesus is far greater than all of that. The difference between then and now is this. The cross has come and gone, and Jesus has both defeated sin and conquered death. As a result, there are more than crumbs available to us today. The whole meal of salvation is now laid out for you and I. So open your heart, place your faith in Jesus, and dig in to what he now offers to all who call on his name. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.